as we say, you know, you have to be responsible uh, with when you're doing it and realize that it isn't just a one off like capital raise. That is you tied in for life. You know, it's not well it's said. not a dog's not just for Christmas. <laughs> Very uh, well said. <laughs> Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryomalt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryomalt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they are our proud sponsors of this. And this is Brews News Week, a regular wrap of all that has made news in beer this week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum. And joining me to take a good hard look at the news, the views and the issues are the founder and editor of Australian Brews News, Matt Kierkegaard, and ace reporter and senior journalist, Claire Burnett. <laughs> you can say boom. You're allowed. Oh, that was a good one. Now, let's yeah, isolate that. There's our sting. Um, apologies to our listeners last week for the... Um, Substandard. <laughs> boom. I'm not, con- I'm not convinced, actually, Matt. Listening back to it, it I don't think it was of, of a highest enough standard to be called substandard. <laughs> <laughs> was it that bad? I haven't listened all the way through yet. We, we had our boom tested and it, it didn't meet the... Uh, Level of oh, it's all right. It did not pass, did not pass the pub test, it's fair to say, um, and we didn't fool any of our listeners. Well, to be fair, there was um, a little bit of a tanty. I'm not doing this anymore. That's right. <laughs> um, she, didn't, she didn't want to become the Bart Simpson. Um, I'm not a gimmick, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Just putting it we out know, there. No, we, 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 we know that. You're not the uh, I didn't do it, um, uh, you know, girl. Um, but our listeners... Appreciate it. They know that they they know that it's the end of the show. Yeah. All right. Okay. There we go. We we see you as more than just the boom in the room. It's it's taken us ten years, but we have finally got some kind of uh, Pavlovian response uh, (laughs) happening with our audience that they know when it's time to go. They know when it's uh, you know the the soapbox comes out and all these visual cues that uh, audio cues that they've been given, and um, the boom has sort of just become their tip off that. Time to go and do some real work. Matt, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) If only it worked in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Rest assured, viewers uh, and listeners, I took Claire aside um, and pulled the old dad move of um, now go before we leave, right? (laughs) I don't care if you don't need to go. Go I mean, you could have just paused it. It's not live, but... That's anyway, not the point. <laughs> I, 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 think we've, I think we've done it. There will be a boom at the end. Okay. So stay tuned a proper for boom. the boom. That's right. Uh, a bit to get through and we've got a fair bit of news to cover, so we might even just jump straight into it and then uh, we've got a fair bit as a result of the news to chat about in Below the Fold. If you're new to the podcast, we do a bit of news first and keep you up to date in case you uh, haven't had time to catch up on the news. We'll sort of read it back to you in, um, I guess, play school format. And then, um, but then we'll have a bit of an in-depth, a bit more sort of insiders or, um, you know, four corners at the end. Does that make sense? That kind of explains it, doesn't it? And now we cross live to the Australian Brews News Media Centre for a wrap of the news stories making news this week, which is uh, featured International Women's Day. And as a result, Matt, when it comes to (laughs) ABB, all is not as it seems. 
Yes, mate. Uh, concerns raised by ABV testing results. Um, now, th- this was a story we've been uh, following for about three years, and uh, a pilot study into the qu- to the alcohol levels of packaged beer has raised concerns with only 20% of samples returning results within acceptable levels of variance from the figure on the label. The study by a Queensland health district last year saw their staff purchase 25 beers produced by a number of craft breweries in Queensland through retail channels, but just five of the 25 samples had an analysed ABV that was accurate to within the acceptable variance of what was on the label. 17 samples had an analysed alcohol level more than 3% uh, ABV above what was claimed, with three samples having an ABV outside the acceptable levels uh, below what was stated on the labels. On the back of this, Bira, which is the beer industry... Oh, I'd be impressed if you got this right. It's the resource analytes, I think. Uh, Bira, um, the non-for-profit testing organisation has urged brewers to use their services and get testing. Um, on the back of that, yes, uh, Bira, which uh, is for those who don't know, we did a bit of a um, piece about it. Claire did a piece earlier in the year. Um, it's a group of. Uh, concerned scientists or concerned brewers um, who have gotten together to yeah. create an industry-wide um, testing regime. Mm-hmm. They don't test your beer, but what they do is that they provide a way for you to audit your own testing by sending out samples of a beer that you can analyse and then you send your the results that you've got on that standardised beer back and then they plot that on a scatter chart and you are, your results are anonymised, but it lets you know how closely you fall within the average of the, the, the testing. So it's a way of auditing your own testing to see how accurate your results are. Do you know what it stands for? Brewing into laboratory reference analytics. That's what it is. I, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I it's, can it's never remember Bira. it. Sorry, guys. We do have a link to it. Um, and today uh, I'm also having a chat with John Selton, Claire um, from Gage Roads. Uh, Claire Clouting. Claire Clouting. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And a couple of other people involved in beer quality just to talk about these results and what brewers can do to uh, make sure of it. Um, Obviously, this story has a lot of implications. So that's the news on it. Um, We might sort of go into a little bit more detail um, on it in the... uh, Well, Matt, I'll tell you what, you're you're doing so well. Um, uh, Read us another one, just like the other one. Give us another one, do. Well, Matt, I've had some work to do this week. You're on Because I was off doing International Women's Day schmoozing and Matt had to work. So, uh, yes, Queensland artisan legislation at Mrs Mark say craft brewers. Uh, Queensland craft brewers are clutching to small wins while mourning a lost opportunity as the state government passes legislation designed to support their growth. Last night, the Queensland Parliament passed the Liquor Artisan Brackets Artisan Liquor Close Brackets Amendment Bill to 2020, which aims to assist the artisanal liquor industry by creating a new liquor license category for craft brewers and artisanal distillers. Now, um, is this all part Matt, of the the Queensland Craft Beer Strategy, or is this a, a separate? Uh, we'll talk about this more mm. in below the fold because there's quite a bit of history to it. But essentially, mm. this has been a campaign that Queensland's brewers have been running for over a decade um, to get, at, at the moment, you know, once you've got your producer's the, the wine, license... The winery is basically get a, a, yeah. a really, a free hit. Once you're the, a wine producer, you yeah, can yeah. basically open your cellar door and start selling. You can go to food and wine things mm, and... You can sell other people's... Markets. Yes. ...other people's alcohol. Exactly. It's been fantastic for the brewing industry so for the wine industry, uh, for, for, for the wine industry, yeah. um, and we've, we've the had the same. 
Absolutely not. And yeah, the it, same it, concessions. It, it turns out that DSD, the Department of State Development, that runs the craft beer strategy, um, and you know, came up with some proposals in consultation with the industry, um, submitted those proposals. Once they hit the uh, brick wall of liquor licensing, the uh, Office of Gaming and Liquor. Uh, liquor gaming regulation, um, regulation. OLGR um, everything was scaled back um, and you know so OLGR which actually doesn't like alcohol loves regulation doesn't like uh, alcohol really cut it back and that seems to also have been uh, in line with recommendations from the hotel industry that has currently has the ability to sell alcohol so um, yeah so it, it's been a long thing there's a bit more discussion Craft brewers now have the ability to get, uh, you know, big craft beer permits. They'd read the story if you want to find out exactly what's there. Um, yeah. as, as listeners can probably tell, we're trying to keep it um, tight um, this week. There, there, there is the story, um, and it links to the legislation and things like that. And we'll have a bit of a discussion about the the, the background in below the fold. Excellent. Thanks for that. Very well read, Matt. Thank you. <laughs> and, and written. I wrote my own <laughs> yeah, copy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you, you wrote it. You, it's only fair that you get to read it. Um, but now, uh, you know, as a – no, I won't say a token gesture. Um, Claire. <laughs> you uh, bloody not. <laughs> International oh. Women's Day fell last week. Uh, you were out and about. I was out and about on Monday. I was in the office for approximately 45 minutes and then went immediately to Stone and Wood and started drinking beer. <laughs> Um, no, no, obviously I did not. Um, we did uh, halt a full day though. There were so, there was like forty women there, and a couple of blokes as well. I think Fergus from Cryamalt was there, um, and Jane Lewis had come up. Uh, oh, was Jane from up? Two. Yeah, Jane was up, um, which was lovely. That's, that's what threw me because I was trying. I, I saw all these pictures with Jane, and then I'm going, oh, I know that. Oh, who's that next? No, that's not. Oh, and I don't know the next person. But and it wasn't until the bigger picture where I could see that it was at Stonewood at Brisbane. Mm. And I thought, oh, okay. So Jane obviously had gone up there, which yeah. was good. Yeah, and it was fantastic as well because it wasn't just you know having a natter, although that was done quite a bit. We had um, a sensory session. We did um, some style testing. So, and I was actually really. <laughs> Pete, you're going to really upset with me. Um, they, it was a couple of non-alcoholic beers uh, because it was quite early in the morning. <laughs> and uh, I guessed one of them right. And I guessed the brand and everything. And it, guess what it was? Wow. It was oh, Heineken. Oh, I thought you were going to say White Claw. <laughs> no. no, no, all non-alcoholic. Um, and I guessed the Heineken straight off the bat. And I was a little bit embarrassed and a little bit proud at the same time. Um, but no, it was wonderful. It was a great day. Um Brewed the International Women's Day beer, had some of um, Two Birds Warrior Woman um, and spoke to Jane about, you know, the the detail of joining with Fermentum and how that would be integrated and all that kind of stuff as well. And it was fantastic. There was women from all sorts of industries as well. So, you know, venues like Netherworld and, um, you know, all the way up to the and round to the brewers and quality assurance people at Ballistic and stuff like that. So, yeah, thank you so much to Stone and Wood for that one and for Pink Boots as well. Um, obviously, they organised the whole shebang and there were events in every state. So, yeah, that was awesome. Thank you, guys, um, if anyone's listening. And anyone who is listening uh, that's not involved in Pink Boots, um, I think we've got a link in the show notes or certainly we'll put one, yeah. Yeah, can put one and uh, highly recommend you get involved. Oh, absolutely. Because I think from my Facebook feed, it, all of the state representatives have now been appointed. I don't know whether, it, whether that was a new thing or, or a, you know, um, a renewal or 
uh, renominations or whatever it was. But um, so it, it's good now that everyone who wants to be involved or to work out how they get involved or how it benefits them or how they, how they can benefit the movement, um, there's contacts in each state now. Yeah. Claire, welcome back to Reading the News. <laughs> I, 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 I think your job's safe. Just quietly. <laughs> um, uh, Lion has declared a national local day. Uh, yes, indeed they have. Um, reactions were mixed on this one. However, um, <laughs> they, they, they didn't seem to be too mixed. Okay, fine. They went one way. Um, anyway, we'd actually spotted this. I believe Emmy, our editorial assistant, eagle-eyed as she is, um, did some trademark application uh she was just looking through them and she saw that lion this was a few months ago now had last um, year I think, yeah, yeah had uh trademarked national local day and we were like what, what on earth is this so here we go it's been announced um so it's to mark one year since the taps were turned off at pubs clubs bars and hospitality venues um lion's declaring the 23rd of march the inaugural national local day um encouraging people to go across the country to go out and support their local Yes, interesting. <laughs> it's fair. It makes sense. We've discussed previously that local can be what you want it to be. <laughs> this is what it comes down to without making this below the fold. You know, mm. the number of, you know, location named breweries that do not brew in that location um, but and have a sometimes tenuous relationship with that location in, in the craft beer space, you're kind of going, well, you're giving coverage to anyone who wants to say, well, we're local um, on one hand. And it's, it's it's supporting local pubs. Local pubs, you know, em- employ in the local area. So even though Kieran is internationally owned, the local pubs tend to be, you know, local, which is, which is the thing. So, you know, as we've said in the past, what does local mean? And the, the one thing that I thought was quite funny, everyone comes back very quickly to tee off at... Um, you know, the, the big brewers who are, the profits go offshore, and they do, but then they also employ heavily locally. And most of the beers, you know, they are huge consumers of Australian barley, hops, cane sugar, um, and, you know, proudly, um, and, and those sorts of things. Um, and so they do spend and invest very heavily in, in Australia, and I, you know, sometimes I sort of think, well, if you're going to criticise them for sending their profits overseas, um, you know, from the craft beer industry, you know, maybe start looking at where your, you know, the, the, the craft industry needs to look at where some of its purchasing decisions are coming from as well. You know, a, a lot of the hops are coming out of, you know, coming from overseas. You know, using in, in you know, we we make hops here, um, we grow barley here, and yet a lot of brewers are marking their beers as being you know, made with international ing- ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, so, look, it's a very – I'm not defending line, but, you know, because the, yeah. the, there wasn't a lot of nuance in the discussion on Facebook, as you would expect. Um, the big brewers are a very, very easy target. There is a little bit more to, to that discussion, um, you know. And, you know, if you want to support your local, personally, um, I'll be supporting my local craft brewery on uh, March 23rd. Excellent. Yeah. I can't think of a segue. I was say, speaking, <laughs> speaking of, of venues. Speaking of low call, uh, low gluten-free takeover. Um, oh, uh, there was a gluten-free tap takeover, which was a surprise success. Indeed, Claire, tell us more. There was. So Two Bays Brewing, who, may as, who you may know is a gluten-free brand, 
Um, they had a couple of tap takeovers actually at Brewski and Hotel Sweeney's in Sydney. And apparently it went mental. Like apparently it was crazy. The people queuing out the door. Um, we spoke to Antoinette Pollock from Brewski and I believe it was the same um, at Hotel Sweeney's. And off the back of that, well, I think they'd planned it all in one go, but the Celiac Awareness Week from, I believe, Friday. Uh, and two bays are taking over taps at um, a venue in, I think, every capital, state capital across Australia, which is awesome. Um, so we were having a, I had a chat to Richard uh, Jeffaras. Jeffers. 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 Um, see, this is when you see it written down and you can never pronounce it. Um, yeah, so Richard, absolutely lovely chap. Um, we had a discussion about, you know, the growing demand for gluten-free or at least having a gluten-free option. Most restaurants nowadays obviously have uh, gluten-free menus or gluten-free options. Um, so it's a really interesting one to see the growth of and how Two Bays is sort of grasping that opportunity. So um, as well as having all these events, um, Richard was telling us that uh, he had these desktop tap systems because the issue is in venues that um if you have a gluten-free beer on for celiacs you need to clean the lines and you need to do them you need to do it hard you need to go really intense on that um and a lot of venues especially potentially more mainstream ones um don't necessarily do it as often as someone like brewski might uh so that that might cause issues uh so instead of saying right well you've got to clean all your taps they've started a desktop system so you can just install that and put two bays or other gluten-free bays all the way through. So I thought it was just a really interesting way to circumvent that issue um, and make it more accessible to venues as well. I imagine it's got, I didn't actually ask, but I imagine there's a little, a little bit of a cost to that. But I think it's more about offering that choice and having that option. And if the Brewski is anything to go by, you know, it's worth it. It sounds like a good idea for the growing number of people who are going gluten-free, who are gluten intolerant, and obviously the the celiacs um, who really can't have any gluten. So yeah, it was a, it's just a really lovely little success story, and uh, yeah, well done to Two Bays. Absolutely, and just a little editorial insert on that because these sorts of stories are always hard to do because it sounds like you know you, you see so many editorials that are written without a point, or you know that, that are just about events and things like that. And this was one that you know. We, we did a sponsored a featured event um, that we posted a couple of weeks ago with the world's first one and I was speaking to Ant from Brewski afterwards just and just to say how, how to go because it sound, sounded interesting to have a gluten-free um, tap takeover and the, the idea that it was a surprise success was based on her response to it, that it was just overwhelming, um, the number of people. But then, and congratulations to Claire, one of the things I'd never thought of was if you are going to put a gluten-free beer on, you don't just, you know, with every other beer, you just sort of put the next beer on, pull it through so you don't have Mm -hmm. water coming through the lines when you've got a, you know, IPA. You actually have to clean, fully clean that line um, and not being a celiac myself, you're just not aware of the sensitivities and the, and the potential downsides. Um, so yeah, and so this was a story that we we covered because it was as an industry um, story. Um, you know, if you've got a friend that's gluten free, um, you know they can't go to a pub that doesn't have a gluten free offer, or they have to drink cider. Um, you know, for want of a better word, the kiddies option. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just makes sense that if, you know, even if you're a brewery that doesn't make gluten-free beer, um, you know, a gluten-free beer maker isn't your competition. Um, so, yeah, so I just thought it was an interesting insight for the industry to uh, to, to cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it must be difficult too for many 
venues wouldn't have the option of saying, oh, we'll just keep one permanent tap of gluten-free beer on because presumably that would mitigate the need to or re- eliminate the need to flush the lines because if you're putting yeah. a gluten-free beer Unless one after it was the other, just it'd be reduced, okay. In which case, I think you would have to. Well, and and yeah. that's the thing and we, we might insert a link to our... Free, aren't they? Or two two yeah, ways are gluten gluten free, free and yeah. Richard yeah. is an absolute campaigner. If people don't have health issues around gluten, but make a lifestyle choice around reducing their gluten intake for whatever reason, um, and it's a very complicated issue. Please don't at me um, if I haven't got <laughs> it perfectly right. But gluten free has a very very important distinction from gluten reduced. Um, and Richard is a big campaigner, and anyone who wants to find out more, go listen to our um, conversation with Michelle Colgrave, who goes into it in depth. <laughs> Even that discussion, um, you know, the, the discussion itself was fantastic, but we got added. Um, <laughs> I didn't realise how much controversy that would create. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it, it was one of those things, because it, um, it, it, it's a very serious health issue, and people who are celiac take this very, very seriously and get very, very upset when just because you've added some enzymes to denature the gluten in your beer, um, don't call it gluten-free because, you know, for people who it's a health um, risk too, it's an education thing that they want to sort of get out there. So if you if you are in the industry and want to listen, go listen to Michelle Colgrave's uh, podcast. There is a transcript as well, so you can actually search it and find uh, stuff out. Cool. Another brewery that's looking to expand in one way or another is Ballistic. So this one came as a little surprise to me, I'm not going to lie. Um, so Ballistic, Brisbane's Ballistic Beer Co., um, is adding two breweries to its growing portfolio. A This one's an interesting one. Bagara Brewing in Bundaberg and Whitsunday Island Brewing in Elnaley Beach they've bought. Well, Whitsunday crazy. was the one that we wrote about um, because they never actually opened. Um, oh, yeah, because it was just a building, wasn't it? Yeah, and I, and I think we must have taken the article down. They must have asked us to take it down because they were getting so many um, uh, inquiries, um, which is a shame. So I might even go through and, and uh, re- repost it. Yeah, but yeah. because it is so interesting, I did catch up with uh, David Kitchen from uh, Ballistic to f- find out a little bit more about it. David Kitchen, welcome to Brews News Week. Thanks very much for having me, Matt. Big news on uh, Monday of this week um, when Ballistic announced two additional breweries uh, acquiring, you know, buying two uh, breweries and two additional venues. Yeah, look, we're, we're really excited about it. It's actually taken us a long time to get there. We were hoping to have them both across the line before Christmas, but um, the joys of legalese and everything else, it's uh, it's pushed out longer than we wanted, but uh, now we've uh, finally been able to settle on them and we're really excited about going forward from here. So tell me what advantage, obviously, um, other, aside from the obvious, what are the advantages of having two additional breweries uh, in, into the stable? You're actually part of the uh, part of the reason we have them, Matt. Uh, oh, okay. You, uh, I, I sit and listen to your podcast and, and come up with my arguments for, for much of what you say <laughs> uh, or against what you say. And uh, But I think you quizzed me once before when we opened – um Springfield, perhaps, or you were querying about uh, exporting out of state. And uh, the question really was, how can you be a local brewery if you're exporting somewhere else? Now, we actually are really serious about being local breweries. And uh, and I think particularly the way we went and developed Springfield was very much in that, that frame of mind. 
And what we what we are trying to do is, if we want to be the number one brewery in Queensland, we can't be the number one brewery in Queensland from from the southeast corner. So we need to be in the community. So we want to be uh, we, we want to be present in. So uh, what these two breweries have done has given us a presence up the uh, up the coast, and and they're not the last ones. Um, it's giving us a presence uh, further north in Queensland, so that we actually can be a brewery that says we're serious about being a Queensland brewery. And we're also present in your backyard, so um, that's that's sort of the idea behind why we've decided to move forward uh, and and extend our projection past uh, past Brisbane. Other than that, um, it's just uh, th- they were very good venues. We're very happy to uh, to be able to work with the people who own them, and uh, I'm just excited that we AI get to travel up to Whit Sundays occasionally, which is nice <laughs> for Bundaberg. Um, so yeah, it's just trying to have a presence wider than than, than, than Brisbane really is, is what it comes down to. Having two more breweries, that's a, a complication. And Lachlan, the head brewer, is trying to get his brain around that. And the software is getting stretched to manage four breweries now. But um, it's uh, it does also mean having breweries up there uh, as opposed to just hospitality venues that that we are again being able to provide um, provenance to our beers. And, uh, and actually have locally made beer as well as, as what we'll be producing out of Salisbury. I, I was going to ask about that. Obviously, uh, a hospitality venue gives you control over you know, sales and your own taps, and if you can build a brand, you get those sales. A yeah. brewery um, has a lot of adi- uh, additional costs in that I, I would imagine that you're going to have to hire a brewer for each of those venues um, or uh, a travelling brewer and uh, produce beer there is in addition to the beer that you're able to produce at scale. Um, is, I mean, is, is that a fair uh, you know, summary of, of both the opportunity and, and the challenge? There, there is absolutely uh, those, those additional costs. Um, but then again, one of the words that we bandy around in this industry all the time is authenticity and, uh, and and point of difference as well. And you can have a uh, a bar that sells beer, but there's actually quite a few of those around Australia. Um, there's not that many bars that actually have the brewery attached. And that, that's where I think our industry is going generally is, is a whole lot more brew pubs. And I think there's an unlimited number of opportunities for brew pubs that are, that are replacing other beer on tap with uh, with with great craft beer, and, and that's what uh, these venues have. We can have we've got Providence because people can see the um, see the beer being brewed. We've got specific beers that are being brewed for those venues. We have brewers that can engage with the community that uh, that come in. So um, I, I think it, it's trying to be something more than just a bar. And, and while we have one of those, I know it's damn hard work doing it. And um, I think having having the brewer, having the equipment there, having the beer made on site is actually a, a much better way of um, running a business and, and making it a, a point of difference than just running bars. Terrific, David. Well, I guess the last question is when do they open? So when can I um, have a work <laughs> trip up to the Whitsundays? Uh, the 20... I think the official opening is the 26th. No, it's a Friday. Uh, 26th of March, and we'll have a couple of soft launches beforehand. So you, uh, we can shoot you an invite if you want. And then uh, Bundaberg, because it's already an operating venue and brewery, um, we'll do some minor tweaks now, uh, bring it a little more in line with, with Ballistic, and then just after Easter we'll go back in and do a bit of a refit in there 
and uh, hopefully we can lift the whole experience even further than uh, what was what uh, Jack and uh, Jacinda have been doing. Terrific. Well, David, all the best. <laughs> um, hearing that I had any role at all to play in, in, in the decision terrifies me. Um, I don't want to get blamed if it doesn't work out, but uh, I'd certainly like some of the credit uh, if, if it does. <laughs> all right. I'm sure, I'm sure it will. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to uh, working with people in Early Beach and Bundaberg. I think uh, it's, it's actually going to be a really fun, interesting experience heading that far north into Queensland. There we go. So that's the uh, background of ballistic. Cool. Interesting. Oh, look, the <laughs> I, bruise news effect strikes again. Well, I've got visions of David listening to the podcast <laughs> each week and shouting at his car stereo, you know, as he's Probably. sort of driving around. I imagine around, lots of it, people do. You know, what, what I I pulling, pulling over and scribbling notes on the back of a <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to bring up next time he sees me. So, uh, That's yeah, that, 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 that was certainly a surprise uh, to, to hear that. But uh, I'm, I'm glad that he, like uh, the rest of the industry, does uh, listen to us. Yeah. yeah. And, Claire, speaking of uh, growing capacity, uh, Dayton are doing the same thing a bit further south. They are indeed. Uh, so they are actually selling their old 30 hectolitre kit and buying just a slightly larger 35 hec kit, which is awesome. I mean, we've seen a lot of breweries growing this year. We they clearly took time out last year when there was a little, a little bit of da- a lot of downtime uh, to plan this expansion, and they thought they were in a good place to do it. And and Dayton is just the next one. Uh, one thing I did ask down though was about whether they do equity crowdfunding again. Obviously, we've got Batch um, doing theirs, or it's coming up. So we we think it's just at the expression of interest phase now, though. And he was basically like, he wouldn't say never again, but probably not anytime soon. And I was like, okay, why is that? Um, And I think he, the the sort of general feeling was that it is quite an onerous undertaking. Uh, You've really got to treat your investors um, correctly. And it's not free money. It's not free money. <laughs> and, and, it seems nice at the start. Some of the breweries that seem Absolutely. to have, uh, you know, taken money and then. Mm-hmm don't feel the need to communicate with their shareholders. And, I mean, that is an issue, and it's something that we've sort of been keeping an eye on, uh, the transparency of people that do equity crowdfunding. But it was just interesting to hear that, and, you know, thanks to Dan, actually, because lots of people would like to sugarcoat it, and he was just like, no, not really, not our cup of tea. And fair enough. Um, But as we say, you know, you have to be responsible uh, with when you're doing it and realise it isn't just a one-off like capital raise that is you tied in for life you know it's not well it's said. not a dog's not just for christmas that's all <laughs> very well said <laughs> so yeah there we go um and i thought that's kind of leads us on to moa so and hopefully a new phase for moa now actually as we've been writing about moa i've been looking into them and they're horrible perspective. You wouldn't have seen any of that. Wasn't it terrible? Oh my god, I'd never seen it before, but after we spoke about it last week, I went and had a dig around for it, and oh my god, I was absolutely disgusted. Um, But obviously, new phase for Moa. Um, So, their new owner, a chap called Stephen Smith, (laughs) I think he's quite aware that, you know, he was taking a gamble uh, buying this one. Uh, And he only paid 1.9 million for it, and I think there were lots of eyebrows raised about that price. well it was valued at 30 million at one exactly. stage when it launched yep. and it's one of the yep. it's the biggest independent brand which i'd love to see what garage projects figures are if mo is the biggest but mm. mo also has distribution through most of the supermarkets so it's a bit more of a supermarket brand interesting um yeah so that was from our um, new zealand correspondent uh, michael donaldson so yeah we'll keep an eye on that one see how it goes um over at moa 
Excellent. Um, I think that's about it for the news. So what say we dive elbow deep into the mailbag? Uh, don't forget, you can review us on iTunes or you can send us an email, um, smoke signal, uh, carry pigeon, however you want to get in touch with us, um, even the Facebook page. You can join our group, uh, just search Radio Brews News and use the password soapbox. And anyone whose letters we uh, read out or um, comment on, uh, don't be afraid to then say, oh, that was me, and uh, flick us uh, contact details with a postal address because we've got these brand new Dogbone Bar Blades, thanks to our very good friends at um, Thirsty Merchants. And we'll send you one of those. You can also subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever, you, wherever you're listening to this. If there's a, an opportunity to leave a review, do it because it costs nothing and it helps other beer lovers to discover the podcast. Matt? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, and yeah, please don't hesitate, uh, Bo Curtis, uh, listener um, who I think we read out last week, um, have sent a very polite email. Oh, look, you know, I... I do I get anything for having? Don't, don't, Absolutely. you know, no need to check. Yeah. Just, uh, just send your postal address. Australia Post. You know, we, we've got bar blades crossing the country as we speak, including uh, crossing the Tasman and uh, maybe even. I, don't, I hope metal's not a problem going into uh, North America because we've we'll even soon find out going there. So uh, yeah, um, our, I'm, I'm dreading getting our postage bill this month. Oh yeah, that'll sting. Well, with every. Um, challenge comes an opportunity. If you'd like to sponsor our mail, you could be our mail sponsor, M-A-I-L. You, so if you wanted to, we could offer them something, couldn't we? Couldn't we put their sticker on the on the postage bag or something like that? Because we don't send out a lot of stuff all the time. It's just a little bit here and there. So if somebody wanted to tip us a few shekels I and um, become our official... No, no, I'm saying it's, oh, an, oppor- it's an opportunity <laughs> for somebody who says, oh, look, I am not even in the, in the same, you know rotating universe as, as someone as uh, big and as well known as Rowling's label stickers and packaging, for example, you know, like we're, we're just asking for a, a bit of support uh, because merch is not out. We're not going to retire on, on what we make on the merch where, you know, I know that you're essentially, it's you covering know, we, costs. we're getting the t-shirts made covers, covers the cost, but it just helps support the, um, the podcast. And it, it I, I like, I, I loved uh, opening my um, social media feed and seeing pictures of, of people showing their, their t-shirt and their bar blade. I mm. saw uh, Dave Croft, I think, was it, was it Dave? Um, hung his on his um, magnetic bottle cap. Or was that James dartboard. Davidson? Uh, I didn't see James. Straight to the pool room. I thought that was could have could have done. But um, anyway, but you know, for example, support for this episode comes from Scar Fabricating. Scar Fabricating builds. I know you know this, but I'm just going to tell you again. Reliable automated packaging line equipment that's handcrafted, just like the beers that we like to drink. Um, to make life easier for brewers and their production teams because we can't forget about the production teams. If you're a brewer looking for the best way to get your product out of your tap room and into the hands of your customers, Scarfab has you covered with a wide range of depalletizers, custom conveyance, date coating, rinsing, drying systems, and a whole lot more that I can't even mention now because it'll just take too long. Scarfab specialises in helping breweries of all sizes get their beer from keg into can. To find out more about how Scarfab can help you sell more beer, visit www.scarfabricating.com today. That's Scar, S-K-A, fabricating.com to get started today. And you were right. It was Dave Croft. Sorry, my mistake. Oh, there we go. Shout out to Dave. Good on you. Uh, what else? Uh, what do we got in the um, in the mailbag? Uh, mailbag, we've got 
Adrian Cubitt on the Bruce News Facebook page regarding the ballistic sale. Smart move. There's definitely potential in the Whit Sundays. It's essentially an untapped market. I don't know if that was a pun or. <laughs> you know. Well, I've, uh, we, myself, and Mrs. Pilsner, spent uh, a little bit of time at the Whit Sundays uh, on our honeymoon a bit, two or three years after we got married because we couldn't afford it at the time, uh, and it was lovely. But I don't recall. I wasn't. I wasn't as immersed in my beer back then in the early nineties. Um, but is it sort of because I, I just assume I hear places like that, and I think. Uh, Port Douglas cans, that sort of thing that I now associate with a, a growing uh, craft beer scene. And I assume that places sort of that were a bit more touristy would have had something, but clearly not. I don't, I, I think it's one of those areas that, you know, sometimes you get the perception that a tourist destination, I think Airly Beach is a bit of a gateway to the Whitsunday Islands, mm-hmm. which are off the coast. Yeah. So it's a bit of a service centre. Um, it does have, you know, some nice beaches itself, but it's not the... Uh, so it's where you get on the... The, the ferry, ferry to go across, yeah, to go or, or you pick to up your bear boat yeah. and sort of go out to, to the reef and that sort of thing. Um, I'm with you. I don't, and I don't know what the population is. Um so, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, but, mate, I, look, I, I think a research trip, um, you know, <laughs> as David said, it gives him a reason to go Absolutely. up. If it gives him a reason to go up, it gives uh, Team Brews News a chance to, you know, sorry, like a, 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 a reason to make a work trip up there, Pete. So <laughs> That's right. If you want your story told... Yeah. <laughs> well, no. Look, you, need a, you need a good storyteller. It's a business expense, Pete. So We, uh, could, we, could, we could do it from down here. It's, I'm just saying, it, we're literally phoning it in. Yeah, people will know. <laughs> exactly. We, we've just we've just begged for a sponsor, and now we're spending money we don't have already. <laughs> uh, Daniel Massey, serial yeah. contributor to the Facebook group, um, and always has some really interesting things. Um, this was this was a good one because it generated a bit of uh, discussion. Um, so Daniel says, "Did I miss something in regards to Bentsburg teaming up with Lion? Reading the Bruce News trademark list? Yes." I almost said boom then as well. Um, it shows that they've jointly filed for bent shovel as a trademark, which I assume is a malt shovel times bent spoke. And yeah, that, that was the first thing because look, it was something as everything that we do, um, you know, we, we sort of talk a little bit about on the podcast, which is a, a you know a fairly closed group, but we don't bang on about this sort of stuff because people who want our content find it. Um, but the Trademarks are something that we've been doing every month because as the trademark space becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and you know it is so hard to find a unique name um, with so many breweries and so many beers that we just started publishing. It's, it's very hard to keep up on top of new trademark applications. So uh, we, we've started doing a, a monthly summary so brewers can just click on it, scan down to see if there's anything. And one of the things that gave the idea was... Um, New South Wales was a one that we saw registered, and that was Murray Claire Jarrett's writing name. Um, uh, and so I just sort of flicked it to her when I saw it, um, keeping an interest in it. So we just sort of flicked it off, and and you know, I think she was able to take action or able to sort of do it. Um, so just as a nice little uh, service to the industry, we just do a monthly summary that you can see on the on, on the brewery pro section, and it was. You know, one it's a great resource. It, it's nice to see people, um, you know, even with a casual um, interest, uh, jumping on to see it and then, uh, you know, being a little bit eagle-eyed about it. Yeah, spotting something mm. like that. And from memory, when we were talking to Richard from Bedspoke at, uh, was it during our Hottest 100 countdown? 
and he I think he he reiterated there that his first job in the in the in the caper was um was in the packaging line at uh, at Lion under uh, at Mold Shovel under Chuck. Exactly, yeah. It just shows, you know, that there is certainly uh, you know, a role for um, big and small to work together. Yeah, so, exactly. but no, but not yet. Um, it's not a sign that they're about to be bought. It's not a sign mm-hmm. that uh, you know there's going to be another brewery sale or anything like that. But it does also highlight the importance of if you do have something um, that you're either planning to do or that you want to do uh, or are intending to do, that you it's worth registering the trademark um, in case something else comes along, or you, you can then find out. Oh, okay, there's something else already that's that's too similar. Absolutely. And if you want to register your trademark, uh, James Oman might be a good person. Like, that's not a paid ad. Oh, James is fa- absolutely fantastic. Yeah, really good. Could you, Claire, uh, trademark your boom? I could not, I don't think, as it's just a word. Uh, I don't think there's a category. You can trademark a word if there's a, like the figurative thing as well. Paris so. Hilton, I don't know how I know this. Paris Hilton <laughs> tried to trademark that so hot. In the 2000s, and she it wasn't couldn't allowed. do it. Okay, do it. Mm, so yeah. there we go. Uh, that that sounds a bit like trying to make fetch a thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yes, how do you know? A, I don't know. Anything. I mean, you don't know three a girls. girls. Oh, I'm so impressed with you right now, Pete. Well done. <laughs> uh, which, uh, of course, was uh, a nice little setup, so a nice lob, so that you can smash the next one. <laughs> or is Mac going to read out the? <laughs> no, he's not allowed to anymore. No, I think Claire will have to read out the next. <laughs> One from Kalani Fuller. Yeah, Kalani. Uh, I love and look forward to Claire's boom at the end of each episode. Sorry, Matt, but that was shocking. <laughs> oh, he looks all sad about oh, it. Oh, no, no, I owned this straight away. Like, as I said, it was, you know, we, we didn't have a boom um, last week and I just had to fill in at That's short right. notice. All and, right, uh, I'll do it. Go on. What can I say? I've got to give the fans <laughs> what they want. Oh, <laughs> uh, look at that. Uh, Claire's fans can uh, contact her at claire at bruisenews.com.au to um, <laughs> signify their support. Uh, and we did mention briefly uh, that people have um, received their shirts. I got mine yesterday, Matt. So that world under Australia Post for yeah. two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I just sort of, yeah, as I wow. said, it, it's costing us a lot of money. So uh, I, I was just starting to worry it, a little bit because I was seeing all these other people and they're showing off their thing. And I go, Matt told me he sent me one. But- <laughs> But it did now, so it did turn up, which was great. We'll take a picky of you in it. Put it on your Insta. I, sh- well, I don't do Insta, but I'm not cool enough for Insta. But, yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll take a pic when I wear it. Done. Uh, that's it for Mailbag. And that's it for the news. And that's it for this bit of Brews News Week. So if you do need to go back to work or if you're new to this, um, you can uh, – now's an opportunity – to smoke bomb if you need to just leave because um, you just wanted to hear the news and you don't want to hear us talk about the stuff that's making news um, then now's the time to go thanks Matt thanks Claire thank you Pete cheers Pete and we're out and we're back beautiful I don't even leave time for uh, Joe to excuse you know, put in the music oh, I might just put in something there <laughs> in between the and we're out and now we're back but now we're back uh, with Below the Fold nice crumpling <laughs> a, bit, a bit to chat about. Now, Matt, we might go, speaking of local, how about we start with local? Did you want to talk about the the story that you read out, that, because you wrote it, uh, about the Queensland licensing? 
Yeah, look, as I said, there, there was a lot to it that we didn't want to put above the fold. It's been a very, very, very long campaign. I remember, um, you know, before there was a craft beer industry association, you know... Um, they were state-based. Well, but there, there was, was a- never even a Queensland one, but it was one of the things that, um, you know, as long as I've been involved in the Queensland beer industry, it's been something that the industry has been campaigning. It was something that I was acutely aware of as well because I happened to work for, in, in a previous life, um, the Department of Education and Training that was in a, a stakeholder in the Queensland wine strategy running the College of Wine Tourism um, up on the Granite Belt. And so I was very aware of the way that the Queensland government had supported and how important that support was in establishing a Queensland wine industry. And the, just the lack of parity between wine and beer. And it, it was one of the reasons why when Brewdog was, you know, the, the Queensland government took a big lap of honour um, for attracting Brewdog, um, you know, a couple of years ago. It's, it's why I sort of, you know, teed off a little bit at the government, not at Brewdog, um, because they'd just done nothing for the local industry, you know, literally nothing. Um and yet they were luring an international competitor here. Um, and so it was, it, was, it was one of those issues. And so, you know, it, it, I've been sort of keeping an eye on it. Um, and, you know, it's a sort of issue that nominally the, you know, Craft Beer Association was designed to argue. And, um, you know, David uh, Kitchen has done a tremendous job, you know, as, as you heard. Um, so it, David's been in the role of, as... Is it uh, called advocacy? Uh, he's on the board um, on, yeah. on, on the IBA board, but he's you know, and, and he's also the Queensland rep mm-hmm. on the board. And I, I don't think he said it in the bit that we played about the um, ballistic expansion. But all of the um, lobbying for this took place while Ballistic has been going through, you know, their Mighty Craft merger, their expansion, you know, going national, um, ranging, you know. And, um, you know, in December last year when David said he was hoping to get the contracts for these two sales signed, so was actively negotiating, actively involving, that's when the Queensland government was, you know, very active with this legislation. And, you know, they they put out a call for... um, uh, what do you call it, submissions. Um, there was a parliamentary inquiry, you know, the the, the um, members of parliament, a, a group of the members of parliament who are the legislative committee look at legislation to analyse it before it goes to parliament um, and they put out a call for, um, you know, submissions. Um, as a result, you know, then they have a public inquiry where people can go and give evidence to the committee to argue for or against um, the legislation and you know when I um, Claire actually spotted that the committee had brought down its findings when I read it I was reading that the OLGR had completely misrepresented um, the history of these craft beer permits and you know during their submission they said that the craft beer permits were designed for interstate breweries to come um, which is just completely wrong and so the the parliamentary committee was effectively you know advertently or accidentally misled as to these permits and so I jumped on to sort of read the evidence of inquiry and see what the submission was and things like that and I was very surprised to find that the IBA wasn't represented um, at the open hearings or the public hearings and hadn't even made a submission to the the public hearings Um, and you know it it, it turns out that David um, who was had spent years 
involved in these negotiations had missed it, um, I think, or you know, which is completely understandable given that um, he was knee deep in his oh, running I was his thinking, own business. As you were talking to him, I think how many hours in the day? Yeah, absolutely. That's and and you know and and look, I was I was really surprised because you know when you go back to what the craft beer association when it founded it was meant to be the body that was advocating on behalf of brewers on exactly these sorts of issues and one of the the arguments for a professional national body was that brewers are running their own businesses and that's seen every you know the, the, a lot of the incarnations of state bodies fail because you can't rely on people that have their own businesses to run to have to lead the charge on behalf of the industry for these things in the spare time that they don't have in the spare time that they don't have um and you know and and then a a week or so ago the um the iba you know had their you know email to members and interested people that talked about you know they gave an update on their advocacy efforts and including in queensland completely silent on this legislation but you know said that they've been actively lobbying the department of state development to for funding for themselves, for the um, craft to enact the craft beer strategy, um, and I, you know, you, look, it, it, there's COVID, there's you know, there's a whole lot of challenges, um, and they do need funding. But I was a little bit surprised that the thing that was most directly going to affect brewers wasn't being handled by the IBA, but was being you know, relying on, you know, the the, the old approach of having the you know brewery representative. Um, handling the complex, you know, policy yeah, lobbying submissions, policy development, yeah. which in itself is an entirely different job. Like the skills you need to have to lobby government are crazy, yeah. and people make careers out and of it. Time. and the yeah. time, you know, like, and and all but, of those things. You've got to speak a. You, you have to understand a whole different language. Oh, absolutely, and a whole yeah. new system, and understand how all those different parts work together. And that's just, I just don't think that's possible if you have a day job as well. Like that must be so hard. Yeah, and which it, again is exactly the argument for having a, a, an industry association that. You know, um, last well, year I remember they- too, Matt, because you and I were involved in the discussions early on. Because the mm. other thing was, you didn't want, and politicians don't want fourteen different people coming to them all exactly. with a slightly yep. different yeah. uh, interpretation of what yep. they want and a different way of delivering it. Yeah. Just and and you know that whole thing of don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. Yeah, and so it was it was one voice exactly, and you, it, that's exactly what it is because you need to prove a united front because otherwise they don't consider you to have enough clout to even put an organisation together. Yeah. Like you, two yeah, are if, you're, all if you're telling me you want this, and yeah, the brewery next door says no, I want this. You go well, okay, you you guys sort it out amongst yourselves yeah. when you can yeah, speak with one voice, then come and. Yeah, see me. Exactly. But, but when that was the reason that this body was formed, um, you know, f- to find out that they're lobbying for money to, to, to run the association and not the things that will directly, uh, you know, in, in, in you know, affect brewers is, you know, uh, or, or you know, not you know, re- relying on volunteers to to do the thing that you know is nominally their their chief business. Um, you know that that was a bit of a surprise. Um, you know, and particularly given that there have been a number of people that have been involved in lobbying, you know, or, or working with the government externally, um, and you know, to some extent, the attitude from the IBA is, look, thanks for your help, guys. We'll take it from here. Um, and then they don't. You know, it's mm-hmm. yeah. It, I, I, you know, I, I think that maybe looking at priorities um, is, is something that could be done. Now, the ABV one is an interesting one, Matt. 
Yeah, look, again, I mean, I, I don't know what to say. Again, it's just more background of the story. Um, about It must have been just after you started, Claire, um, that you wrote a story about... I did, about I'm looking at it right now. Kombucha. Was that 2019? 2019. It was God, probably, you're going to be getting a long know, service leave soon. Nearly two years now. <laughs> Bloody hell. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and the Department of Health back then did an investigation on fermented soft drinks. So it wasn't, obviously, alcohol. But th- what they found was that they actually did have alcohol over and above the permitted levels um, in that in those fermented drinks like kombucha and things like that. So the writing's been on the wall, I'd say, for potentially for brewers. You know, this was an issue in another industry that's very closely aligned and has very similar methods and techniques to the brewing industry and I assume tests in similar ways and things like that. It's It's been there. It's been around for a while, hasn't it, the ABV thing? And I know Matt's been on this for quite a while. Just... The idea that, you know, this is a really small load of um, testing, you know, we shouldn't be having that issue at all. Like, it, that shouldn't be a problem in the slightest. It, it, it's funny because, yeah, like, I, you know, had a really interesting response to it. You know, like, we put the story out. We didn't put it through our social media feed, you know, because most of our, like, our direct communications, as we talked about during the Facebook thing, is, you know, with the industry through our email and, you know, through the podcast, which is primarily, um, you know, a... a small audience largely of, in, of, of industry um, and had a really interesting response had you know a lot of brewers very concerned about the results you know a lot of people contacting us um, you know very concerned and very and actually not so surprised by the results because this has been a widely known industry problem um, just how extensive the problem is took a couple of people by surprise but that was one of the reasons why a couple of years ago, you know, same as with the exploding cans, deal with it in the abstract so you don't actually have to deal with it in a way that calls anybody out. Um, kombucha, um, the Queensland government you know, analysed uh, kombucha, found that a lot of the samples exceeded. We covered that story, you know, as essentially a, you know, a little bit of hey, a brewers, yeah, yeah. be aware that these heads things, up. Yeah, he- heads up, industries. these are happening yeah. in other industries, and it's they're going to come for you. And we had a you know some great uh, you know advice from Hendo, um, uh, from Rockstar Brewer, um, talking about the, the potential causes that brewers might find out because it was a, a brewing industry thing. And you know, this study was something I became aware of a while ago, and uh, it took a while to to sort of get the results. We ended up having to um, RTI them because the industry was aware of them. Um, and it was just done in a way that sort of said, hey, there is an industry um, problem. Um, and whilst it's a small sample, when you've got a Queensland government lab testing 25 beers and 80% of them aren't <laughs> you know, meeting yeah, yeah. Uh, are outside of spec, um, you know, small sample, yes, industry issue, um, yes or a. Um, kind of thing. So definitely raises yeah. the question, doesn't it? Particularly given they're going to, th- this was a pilot test that they're going to be looking at more widely. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So that's interesting. And it, it, there's so many, so many implications to this as well. Like if the ATO gets wind and kicks off, and ooh. well, the ATO is aware of it. Oh, it is aware of oh, it. The, the bef- before they wrote the article, yeah, oh yeah. So, God. so this is something, that, and you know, I've had one industry consultant already contact me saying that the ATO is already making it harder yeah. for brewers who are applying for a manufacturing license mm-hmm. to report. Um, you know, and that's one of the implications. Yeah. The cost involved, if the the ATO says, look, you can't be trusted to report yourself on um, mm-hmm. 
your ABV. That's it. Um, We're going to do it for you. You have to test every batch of beer. Yeah. The cost of that would be astronomical. Mm -hmm. um, and it's one of those things if the industry you know, doesn't deal with it itself. Um, yeah. And you mentioned um, earlier this week as well, Matt, that, you know, higher ABVs or different ABVs from what you say on the can can affect things like beer judging and, you know, what you consider a style and to be and taste like and all this kind of stuff. Is that what you guys would think about oh, yeah, well, when yeah, you're beer, doing I mean, beer judging? Alcohol affects flavour, assuming it's not yeah. a quality issue. Yeah. Um, you know, alcohol does affect flavour. So potentially you've got people who are out of spec, um, even though they're declaring one thing on the label, that if you've got seven, <laughs> you know, uh, 0.07 or 0.7% higher alcohol in your beer... Um, Pete might like it more. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've had one example in my experience um, with judging beer competitions uh, or administrate, administering beer competitions um, where uh, we did a, 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 a like a snap audit, if you like. And, it, and in my experience with AIBAs, it's, um, it's generally the reduced alcohol where where alcohol is not is a, I guess a, a narrower or more specified range, uh, where a beer was sent in, it was a lower alcohol version of a beer that they you know of the style, but it wasn't um, you know true low alcohol. It wasn't reduced. It wasn't within the within the guidelines. And we should just probably point out that the, this this the issue that we're talking about. I'm not, I don't think any of us think that or are suggesting, and I hope it doesn't come across that way, that any brewers are deliberately trying to save money on excise by, oh, nah. re, I think it's more just yeah. they've got better attenuation or yeah. better efficiencies or whatever. That, that, you know, and like Matt suggested, it can change from, from batch to batch. Exactly. And they might have worked it out early on or a year or two ago and then something in the processes and the techniques might have changed in the ingredients or whatever and you know it's in we're trying a new malt we're trying a new yeast the, the new yeah, yeast was yeah. just a little bit more efficient and ate, we're assuming because we put in one half ton of malt or you know whatever it might be that we're going to come out with five percent and you're actually getting 5.4 and that was the thing one of the comments i got you know somebody's saying oh look i wouldn't have uh, published it and again this wasn't something that i learned of yesterday and then published today kind of thing it's been um a, an issue that we've been monitoring for a couple of years um there's been no public talk in, in the industry, judging from the response that the story prompted. There was no industry-wide um, move to actually address the issue, you know, and so it was a very relevant story. But, you know, as one um, brewer uh, said, look, I, I don't think I would have covered it. That's why, you know, we thought, sort of thought it was relevant. Didn't make a big song and dance about it to try and draw traffic it was just sent out as an industry thing but then you know the, the the response i got to that was you know many brewers don't have the facilities funding um, or look into getting it tested and you know that's often that, that's the fine if, then if you're getting it right well but otherwise you're is making that, a food isn't product. that another business but, but yeah, this is a, a business expense that you can't do without as an industry haven't we matured past the garage band phase of what we're doing where, you know, we revel in the fact that we're making records even though we only know three notes, mm -hmm. um, you know. Chords, to be fair. Chords, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, Pete. Um, I defer to your great knowledge of music. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, uh, yeah. Um, haven't, haven't we progressed past that? 
and it's a food product that you're putting into market, there are consequences to getting it wrong. If, you know, a little bit like, you know, well, we can't, we want to make a style of beer that we can't guarantee won't explode in marketplace. Well, the question is not we justify by saying we can't do it. The question is, should we be doing it in the first place? And, you know, it, when one of the beers um, was a 3.5% beer that tested at 4.4, you know, the, one, of the, one of the rules of thumb that we have, yeah, one of the rules of thumb that I have when I go to a pub, look, if I'm going to a pub for a meeting and I drive, which I very rarely do, but I take some sense of security in going, well, one, stand, one can of mid-strength beer is one standard drink, the rule is you can have two standard drinks in the first hour and then one hour afterwards and you know you're going to be pretty close. Um, you can't rely on it. It's not a legal defence or anything like that. But, you know, if I do that, then you, wait it, half It gives an you a hour. benchmark and you, and you know your own yeah. metabolism, yep. your own body and whatever. Yep. But if I'm having a 3.5% beer, thinking it's a 3.5% beer that's actually 4.4% beer, that completely throws the calculations out in that first well, you've hour. You've stuffed yourself in that first hour. Yeah, it'll compound in the second hour because you only break you only break down one standard drink an hour, which is how that calculation works. So if you're actually consuming more than one, there is actually a compounding effect that if you are sitting on those beers in the second hour, if you have another one, you're actually adding to your ABV or to to your BAC, um, and then also the length of time that you have to wait before you fall is pushed back as well so there's this compounding effect um so you know i i I just don't think it's good enough to hear from brewers look we don't have the ability to test um because you do like you have that there are labs that will be doing it and if you're selling a food product um and you're not getting it right you you should be testing and that's why yeah so listen out we'll we'll this isn't a commercial thing we were contacted by bira who are going to talk about testing and how brewers can test and what they can do and how they can make sure that their testing is accurate. Um, beer is a not-for-profit, industry-wide, essentially a volunteer body. Um, so listen to the podcast and that will give you some feedback because it's just not good enough for the industry to say, look, we don't have the facilities yeah. or the funding to test. And over in Radelaide at the, uh, what was then, was it called? Might have been the last of the Craft Brewers Conferences before it became BrewCon, I think. Um, And John Selton presented the, um, I I guess, the genesis of this and how it would work. And and what I was really impressed with was that it's not about getting your beers tested, but it's about getting your testing tested. Yes, exactly. So the idea is that everyone sends in, here's what my testing has shown and and samples of, of whatever you've tested from the same batch are also being tested by the others in the group so everyone's testing the same thing by the same parameters and it all comes out ideally you say oh everyone has said it's five percent and it comes out at five percent that's that's great but what you find is some of the testing is, is showing five percent is actually coming up as 4.4 and others as 5.3 or whatever it might be so it shows where yeah, it's like, I guess the calibrator beer for a, you know the first round of, of judging. It, it just gets everyone's everyone on the same uh, same page. Exactly, and yeah. So and we'll, John will be on the um, chat we're having today. So uh, oh, excellent. If, if anyone is in the industry and they're interested, it'll go out through the Brewery Pro channel, which is even you know it's not quite secret, secret squirrel, but it's one of those ones that you actually have to go looking for. Um, but we will do links to it. Um, There's no password, but you have to ask no, for entry no, no at password, the corner of your mouth. Yeah, it's a brewing professional podcast. 
um, that you know. I, I, That's right. I don't know if people necessarily want to because it jumps all over the place. We can be doing, you know, um, how to lay out a brewery one week, and it's not something that necessarily, if you subscribe to, you're going to constantly get the content. And don't forget, Matt, there are two sides to this uh, dilemma. You know, one is obviously the testing, but then the second is labelling. Mate, what would you do if you had a, you know, like a, a, a beer that you had on your label as 5% and when you tested it, you found out that it was 6%? I'd, be, I'd be picking up the phone straight away and I'd be calling one. I, these are the digits that I'd be doing in this order that I'm going to read them out now. one three zero zero eight five two two three five, And hopefully somebody from Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging picks up at the other end and goes, I hear you. We can, we can help you out here. Um Labeling is obviously, you know, the, the very important part of it and Rellings Label stickers and packaging can help you. They don't just supply labels for your cans and, and, and your bottles if you're still doing bottles, but they can supply printed and blank cartons. They can do can trays, tap decals, barcodes, uh, shrink sleeves. They could probably even, uh, you know, like print a recall notice for you if your uh, beer happened to be over, you know, what it was supposed to be or under whatever, you know, exploding cans, anything. Um, they often get asked, where would a brewery, you know, fit a, a shrink sleeving machine? Just don't have the space. Well, it's not, it's not an even issue. It's not even a non-issue. The cans come to your door pelletised, ready to fill, nothing more to do. That number again, Matt and Claire, one 855 Rallying's label stickers and packaging. And they're good people to deal with besides. They are. Great blacks have a beer with two, labelled or unlabeled. Or because sometimes we have keg beer. So, In a know. branded glass or not. <laughs> That's right. Do they do glasses? I think they do do I don't know. Maybe, I'm maybe sure they'll let us know. They they do listen to the podcast because they certainly know when we forget to mention them. We don't usually. Though, <laughs> I, do I did we? it once when Pete was away. Oh yeah, when it was just me and you. And Pete. Oh, we good that way. This is why I <laughs> had one job. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, you know, people who who get uh, hammered on social media for posting. Uh, a beer that they're having, <laughs> they, but they put it in an un, uh, in a wrong branded oh glass. Oh god, yeah. So maybe Rowling's label stickers and packaging. I wonder if the guys could organise for a, you know oh. like a, a a schooner shape shrink wrap that would just kind of sit over. That looks like it's a like, that, that is just a beautifully presented beer. Yeah, so it doesn't oh, matter what's okay, inside. Yeah. Uh, so, so it, it could be anything. Just, it looks like the glass the, the glass is perfectly clean and so what got you a want, beer yeah. in it. We want a clean glass shrink wrap. Yeah. A shrink sleeve. So even if but, you've got bubbles <laughs> sticking to the inside of the glass from the outside, it looks like. <laughs> it doesn't show. So my social, this is my social media beer glass. Oh, but every week, we'd better give James Oman uh, a call and what. trademark that idea or, you know. I think we do. <laughs> I think James Clean glass, clean glass sleeves. Yeah. <laughs> oh, too good. Uh, I reckon that's probably where Done we're at. Is there any? Yeah. No, we're all good, I think. All good? Done. Sounds like a good one. That was a good episode, guys. A lot to get through. And look, for the listener's benefit, I think this is one of those ones, there's a couple of stories in there where, as I say, as a news organisation, we're we're bound to, you know, present the news um, and do it as uh, unbiased as possible. But then there's always, you know, opinions and and our three will often vary from time to time. And like Um, David, you probably scream at your radio or into your headset um, when when you disagree. That's what kind of made me think of it. You know, there are always something because at the end of the day, there's no, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat and there's, uh, you know, different ways of different business principles and, um, you know, business plans and modes of operation and all that sort of thing. Uh, And it it does vary and so do the opinions and we're we're allowed to be critical where we think, you know, perhaps a a ball has been dropped or I hope try it. Well, for me, it's in the hope that somebody hears that and says, yeah, I can see there's a deficiency here, there or wherever. 
okay, well, how about I put my money where my mouth is? Uh, maybe my brewery is, is, is it running more efficiently than it used to, and now I've got a bit of spare time, or this is something I'm very passionate about, and, and they offer their services. I'm not saying that that's not what they sh- you know we should be doing, but there's, as I say, uh, issues or um, what obstacles create opportunities. Absolutely. These are things that if they're not talked about, they don't get talked about in my experience. Uh, that's it. Well, it, it's interesting too if you look at, and as a completely separate example, but you look at the example of the IBA now versus the CBIA that it grew out of and then the CBIA grew out of the regional, you know, there was the Newcastle Brewers Association, I think there was Wobber, there was the Victoria, you know, um, We've we've moved on. We've as we grow, we we realise that you know running a business and trying to do all these the advocacy and the marketing and um, you know independent seals and all those sorts of things. Um, it, it's great to have a body that can you know speak with one voice. We absolutely need it. Ex- absolutely, and I'm sure that you know all help would be great gratefully uh, um, accepted. Speaking of help. We couldn't do this without Cryomalt and without Scar Fabricating and without Relling's label stickers and packaging and Thirsty Merchants. So for them, we say thank you. Don't those bar blades look good in, in the... Uh, they look place? super swish. I've got They one. are nice. I'm very interested. I'm keen to like at what the... Because I've had some issues with ones before where there's been like a, a glued on emblem. To, mm-hmm. to a standard one and they always pop out and so you end up with this thing, oh, well, whose, whose was that? Um, and then you've got like the engraved ones or you've got the etched ones or whatever or where they've got like the rubberized thing and it always ends up getting scuffed and faded and, mm. and all that sort of thing. These ones I'm keen to see because it looks like it's um, like it's not, I don't know, like painted on or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But, but you know, um, um, what's the thing I'm thinking of? Powder coating, you know, that sort of thing. It's that mm. kind of integral feel but um very nice you've done well matt well um fortunately my hop water still comes in bottles so i get to use it all the time <laughs> although Excellent. they are twist caps but i don't twist them anyway because <laughs> i use my thirsty merchants bottle opener mm-hmm. <laughs> excellent there's another plug for them well done thank you to all our listeners for making all this possible thank you matt thank you pete and thank you claire cheers pete what's on for this week You'll be coming down off your high, of course, from International Women's Week last week, Claire. You'll be back oh, to like, back yeah. to actually writing Doing stories. Yeah. <laughs> and Matt, I believe, is off on his jollies, actually. Uh, I'm off to Perth on Sunday night for a couple of days just to go visit breweries over there and, you know, check things out. Nice. Because I figured, it, look, if, if they'll let me in, hey, if you can, I can get back. It, exactly. It, it's, it's the hardest... Um, state to get into so uh if, if yeah. they let you in i figure you just gotta hope that nobody sneezes in queensland while you're over there and they <laughs> and then old mark shuts prevent you from coming back <laughs> i've been your host pete mitchum this has been bruise news week thanks very much for listening in to episode 309 until next week drink fresh drink local look after yourselves and each other and wash your damn hands and wear oot Hang on. Boom. Like that? that was a How's resonant. That, that, was, that was resonant. Thank you. Yeah, we, we're certainly going to get comments about that one. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. 
Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. 